Hi, Brock. Hey. I'm so happy to see you. So happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited we're getting to do this. I know. So I, you know, I, you're huge on Instagram at this point. You have how many followers? 450 something thousand. Yeah, you're going to hit like half a million by by <laughs> summer, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> How does that feel to you? Like you've worked really, really hard for a couple of years. I mean, you did it very quickly, yeah. but well, how does it feel to you to like have that many followers at this point? Yeah, so I worked really hard for, for a few years and then the growth kind of piled on top of itself and became exponentially fast over the last year. So it feels like overnight growth, um, but it's also been something that's been in the works for years. Um, and it's been really consistent over this year. So it's not like, you know, I had one viral post and suddenly I had 50,000 new followers the next day. It's been a thousand followers a day for the year. Um, so it's been really fun. It's been really engaging, exciting. It doesn't feel like I have half a million followers. I watched someone on TikTok the other day who just hit a million and she was like, I don't feel like I have a million people following me. Like it still feels like this little tight knit community. And I feel the same way and I, I really enjoy that. I think that it still feels like a small tight knit group. I still know the names of the people who are regularly commenting, the people who are always direct messaging me and who are always the first to show up when I start a live video. So it feels really fulfilling, really fun and really engaging. What, what do you think shifted for you? Like, I mean, I followed you for years, but what do you think made this difference for you, like you said in the last year, to, to, to sort of jump to a thousand followers a day? Yeah, I, it started really with just with challenging myself because I had been posting once a day. I'd been posting five days a week. And then, you know, it was April of last year, 2021, when I was like, hey, I'm going to do a reel a day for the month. And it just started like as a way to challenge myself. And then by the end of the month, I was like, wow, like this is really working well. I'm going to keep this going. And now here we are 14 months later and it's still going. I'm still doing at least a reel a day. But by the end of that second month, I was like, well, I want to post more than just that reel. Like I still have carousels that I have made. I still have other reels. I still have longer videos, which used to be called IGTV that I could share. So then it became twice a day and then some days, three times a day. And then I've even done a few days where it was four posts in a day. Just that frequency really, really dialed in. I think someone called it uh, my hyper frequency of posting, um, which is definitely a lot of posting, but I've just continued to put out more and more and more content which has continued to only grow and serve my audience even greater. So I'm a member of Insta Club Hub and I, and just a little shameless plug here, Insta Club Hub is the best training at the best cost that you and your mom do. And, and for anyone who's interested, I'll put a link down in the show notes to check it out. But I, I know specifically that for you, what I, you, you teach and what made a big difference for you is when you just started making content focused on Instagram. And you, because before that, and this is something that I run into a lot with artists and, um, you know, and yeah, I teach a lot of personal branding for creatives, is that they're afraid to let go of like the things that they think are their identity in their content and just hyper-focus on one subject. And I know for you, you went hyper-focused on Instagram and that made a huge difference. Talk more about that. And and, and more importantly, because that just kind of segues into what I really want to talk about, but 
did you have to rectify some part of yourself in order to get to that decision? Like I'm going to post about Instagram three times a day instead of, cause you used to do, or you still do that, but you, you've now kind of shifted. You do these yeah. awesome dances, you do funny content, but before that you were just kind of doing it for entertainment and now you do them for educational. I'm rambling, T- but tell me like, how did you rectify if that, if that existed for you, that, identity online. Totally. So I really just went with what was working. And a few months before I really niched down and hyper-focused, not just on Instagram, but like really I hyper-focused on like Instagram reels. I still talk about stories and hashtags and all the other things on Instagram, but I really hyper-focused even on Instagram reels. Um, But a few months before that, I did an entire month where I was doing live videos, uh, just interviewing random people. I remember I had a friend of mine from college on who talked about fashion and talked about like the way he, you know, kind of is unique with his design. And then I had another person on who was a therapist and we talked about mental health. I had another person on who was a coach for people who are like helping their parents transition into assisted living. So that's a hyper specific niche, but I, I interviewed her. So I was interviewing all these different mental health experts in all these different fields. And I would talk about my faith on my Instagram. And every time I would do these different things, these talk about these different interests of mine, the engagement was low, the response wasn't up to what I felt was being provided through the content. Like I was like, this is really good stuff. I'm having these great, powerful conversations about race and religion, and I'm getting less likes than if I do a goofy reel related to growing on Instagram. So I was like, let me just focus on what works then. Like, let me not stress over making this amazing content that fulfills all my different passions. And let me just focus on one of them. So I started doing that um, and that really started working. And I should say that when I say focus, when I say niching down, that's on my feed. So with my reels and all my other carousels and my feed posts, hyper-focused. On my stories, I still post about everything even to this day. This morning I posted about how I challenged myself to run 300 miles this year and how I'm hashtag not a runner, but I'm still running. Like I post about that on my story today because that humanizes me, that helps people relate to me and connect with me but on my feed, super hyper-focused on just one niche. And then a few months later, once my Instagram had started to grow, I started to outsource, create other accounts and hire other people. Uh, I know we can talk about that a little bit more to run some of these other accounts about some of my other interests and passions. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so important to like, you know, I always say to people, you can do it all, you just can't do it all at once. And so yeah. like really starting on that and, and also I think what's super important too is testing it out. Like I'm going to do all of these things and see and then measuring it, right? Because what is that Tony Robbins or somebody says like you, what doesn't get measured doesn't, what is it? You yeah, I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's what measured, what is measured improves or what is, yeah. what is measured grows. Yeah, something right. like that. And I think most people like, I, I don't look at my analytics. I don't look at my insights. I don't know what's doing well. Well, then good luck. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's like good luck growing. Okay, so that kind of leads me into to you having these multiple accounts and how you you just did this awesome year with your fiance Taylor, where you got on the airstream, you drove across the country, you stopped at our house and saw us. <laughs> and I was so excited and vlogged about the whole experience and talked about that whole airstream life. And so there's this Brock and Tay account, or Tay and Brock account. There's, mm-hmm. um, I'll link all these below, so because I'm probably gonna botch the handles. But you have Insta Club Hub that you do, which is also, I think, I- I'm assuming is your primary business, but then you also mm-hmm. have 
Mila's account yeah. and Nisa Mila, which is huge for you guys to another source of income. Yeah. How do you balance all of that and your life? What are some tips maybe even for people who are wanting to do multiple things, create those multiple streams and still stay sane? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's run through the list. We have my account. My fiance Taylor has her own personal account. Then we have our shared account, which I believe is at Tan Brock, at which Tan is kind Brock. of like our couple. I think so. It might be Brock and Tay, but I think it's Tan Brock. And that's like you said, van life, travel, relationship stuff, more of like our, our couple related things, things we do together. Then Mila, our dog, has 220,000 followers, 220 and rapidly growing. And then we have our other dog, Shotzi. Oh, she Shotzi. has an account. Right. 20 or 30,000 followers and that's growing really well. And then we have uh, the Insta Club Hub account, which is like you said, my primary business. Um, so actually I'm not logged into the Insta Club Hub account on my phone at all. I started the account and I ran it for the first eight months or so. And then we brought on a virtual assistant who was co-running it with me. And then now we brought on a full-time team member who it's her job to curate and to create content just for that account. So that's the Insta Club of account. We have a social media manager who runs both of our dogs accounts, which sounds funny. And it sounds crazy to probably some people listening. Like you have a social media manager for your dog's Instagram. And yes, we do. Like I said earlier, one of them is at 220,000 followers. The other's at 20 or 30,000 followers. They're both rapidly growing. And those are huge sources of income for us. Both of the dog's accounts, they do affiliate marketing. We do brand partnerships. We do sponsorships. We do paid shout outs and collaborations, things like that. So both of the dog's accounts are, are a major source of income for us. And so it makes sense for us to hire someone to run it so that we don't have to stress all day about coming up with a creative reel for our Doberman. Instead, we can hire someone and pay her to create that content. And then her fans, the the dog's fans can continue to, you know, get served and get laughs and get entertained with the content. It's a win-win for all parties involved. And then we have the Tay and Brock account. That is the one account that Tay and I still run. We kind of ham and egg it together ourselves. Sometimes I'll create the content, sometimes she will. But I think the biggest lesson learned is, first of all, something you already mentioned, which is, Try out a bunch of things first. Find what works and what you like. Just start with experimentation. And then once you find something that works, stick with that one thing. Grow one thing at a time. Grow the one thing and then once that's sustained and that ball is rolling downhill, then you can start building another snowball and try to roll that one downhill as well. But if you're trying to roll eight snowballs down the hill at the same time, you're gonna drive yourself crazy running back and forth and you're gonna constantly feel burnt out and overwhelmed. So I started with one. And then we've grown and we've grown and we've grown. And I remember back in the day when we had just my account and Mila's and we were like, no way will we ever create one for the two of us. No way will we ever create an account for Shotzi. That's just too much. And now we have all of these and we're like, maybe we should start another account for for this area of our life. Yeah. Um, And then I should say, in addition to all of those, not only are they on Instagram, most of those accounts also have TikTok accounts. And we do have a YouTube channel for Tay and I ourselves. So... Uh, we're, we're very omni, omni-channel present mm-hmm. in this house. Yeah, you're, you're producing a lot of content. And um, do you, I think a lot of people, and I, I do this to myself sometimes, if I'm not nailing every channel all the time, I can very easily kind of fall into a place, oh, I'm failing, oh, I'm not fulfilling my end of the bargain. How do you, I mean, cause I know that there's probably times where you're like, well, we're not gonna probably get a YouTube video up this week. There's, you know, too much going on or um, Shotzi's TikTok is gonna probably not get something this week or, you know, 
until you start outsourcing and you hire somebody, of course, but how do you push through any of that judgment you might give yourself around your content and and posting consistently? Yeah, so I think this is a skill that I've just kind of learned over the last two or three years. And that's honestly to just not care, to not care if, if, if things like aren't going that well. Like I personal example, um, our last few reels that we posted on Tay and Brock, they haven't been very good. And I've kind of known before posting them that they weren't going to do all that great, but I'm going to post them anyways. And I think of the four that I posted that I thought didn't do well, three of them didn't do well. And then one of them ended up going VFM, viral for me, viral for us. And it got like 30,000 views, which on that page, we have like 20,000 followers. So that was awesome. Uh, but it was just kind of committing to, hey, even if this isn't a home run, I'm still going to post it. I'm still going to share it. Um, even a few weeks ago on my personal Instagram, which was growing at about 1,000 followers a day, there was like a two-week period where I was growing at like 500 followers a day. And I know this this sounds terrible to say, and like I'm sure people are like, I would kill for 500. But for me, 500 following 1,000, like that's half the amount of followers in a day. So for me, that wasn't all that great. But at that same time, Mila's account was blowing up. Like she suddenly grew by like 50,000 in a month. Uh, so it ebbs and flows. But when you have enough uh, horses in the race, so to speak, you have enough snowballs rolling down the hill at the same time to go back to that last analogy. Um, even if four out of the five are slow moving or they're just kind of chugging along but not making all that much progress, you might still have one out of the five that's rolling real well. But ultimately, social media, just like life's, it ebbs and flows, it comes and goes, there's highs and lows, all of that rhymed unintentionally. Uh, but it's it just, that's, that's kind of the reality of it, right? Like it, there's gonna be great posts, there's gonna be bad posts, the algorithm is everyone's bane of existence. So uh, just kind of learning to, to keep posting and keep rolling with the punches, so to speak. It's like not, it's like you said, it's not caring. It's, it's yeah. um, I think that's really important to, to understand because one of my favorite things you do pretty subtly in your content is you'll post like, this is how many people don't follow me today. Mm -hmm. That's like one of my favorite things you do because I think so many people put this fear of God in themselves that, that if they lose followers, they're somehow not killing social media. And it's like, no, like don't be afraid to lose followers. I actually am usually pretty happy when I lose followers because it's like, great, that means that I'm on track. Like I'm, I'm the right people are finding me and the wrong people are leaving. And that's what I want, you know? Yeah, yeah. Totally. It's rarely the people who are like madly in love with you, who are liking every post and the first comment and they're DMing you. It's rarely those people who are unfollowing. It's rarely the loyal, engaged super fan who is unfollowing. The people who are unfollowing are the people who like randomly followed you in the first place. They didn't really know who you are. Maybe they accidentally followed you. Maybe they were a spammer or a robot account or they weren't that interested. And so good, like I don't want you at my party anyways. I don't want you in my circle anyway. So if you want to leave, go ahead, like be my guest. If anything, that, anything that's gonna help my engagement rate and help my total number of followers be more engaged and more uh, plugged into this community anyways. Uh, so if those people wanna leave, let them leave. I think my highest day has been 971 unfollows. And I think that was also the day where I had the most followers I ever gained in a day. So it's also very true that the more followers you gain, the more followers you lose. Like I'm gaining net a thousand a day. So really it's more like plus 1700 and minus 700 every single day. 
But regardless of like the follows, right? Because this is the thing mm-hmm. I think it's really why I love your posts. Is like I got this many unfollows and follows. Everyone just stopped focusing on it because that's not even what you're focused on. Like you're not even looking at the the follows and unfollows. And I think that's why your those specific posts matter so much to me because it's a good reminder to people like mm-hmm. I don't I'm not even focused on that like I'm focused on engagement I'm focused on community I'm focused on yeah. so how do you what what are your top priorities when it comes to looking at stats or looking at your account and you know okay this matters so much more than follows what, what would you say those top priorities are yeah this is a great question um, I like to one number that I love to pay attention to and one number that I do focus on consistently growing is stories views. Um, And that's because I know that if more people are watching my stories, more people are getting to know the real me, they're starting to trust me more. And that means more people at the top of the funnel who can eventually be converted into customers, subscribers, lifers, whatever it may be. So that number is important to me. And then besides that with posts, I track my posts for like the first hour or so. And honestly, I can usually tell within the first 30 minutes if this post is gonna be a hit or not, if this post is gonna do well or not. I can usually tell, gauge it after about 30 minutes how it's gonna do. But after that, I really don't check it too much. I never, ever, ever, Brett, I never look at my notifications page. I can't even tell you the last time I clicked on that page. I don't look at my notifications. I don't look at my past uh, posts. I don't go back to a post from yesterday or older. I, I won't even go back to this morning's post and read through the comments. Because I know that after that first hour, that's when it's gonna start reaching the people who don't really know me, who aren't really in my corner the way most of my followers are. That's when it's gonna reach like the haters and the trolls. So after the first hour, I don't even go back and look at my posts. So I track them for the first 30 minutes to an hour just to see what's working, what's doing well. Is this post really resonating with people? Or is this a topic that's maybe overdone or needs more explaining or is just kind of, you know, out of left field for people and they don't get it right now. So I'll track things for the first 30 minutes to an hour after I post to the feed. And then after that, I'm thinking about the next post. Like I'm focusing on what's the next thing I'm creating. What's my next reel? What's the next trend? What's the next new Instagram feature that I have to explain to everyone. So I'm way more focused on what's coming next than what I did a few hours ago. Okay. Let's talk about new Instagram features because you always are right there at the like as soon as the announcement is is done you're out there spreading the word and and i also know super proud of you for this that instagram had reached out to you and you met with the creators account and they like shared your content and so you've really what's beautiful is you really you caught their eye you're now seen as an expert from instagram itself so i'm just as your friend like so proud of you for that what like these features right so they've rolled out a lot of features so far between the the feed changes you know where you can do follow or favorites and you know you can change that feed plus some other like lots of other things but what what are your like favorite things that are coming like what do you foresee instagram becoming next yeah yeah so there's been a lot of changes in what it's, it's 10:42 on a Monday morning. There's been a lot of changes since yesterday. Like there's every single day I wake up and I'm like, what's new on Instagram today? What do I have to report and tell everyone about today? What am I going to have to explain and, and refigure out? There's a million new changes on Instagram. The latest one that's coming down the pipeline that has me excited, especially for creators and artists, is bringing NFTs to the platform. This is something that people since the beginning of of the metaverse and nfts and digital artwork 
I think people have been, it's been easy to draw the line between Instagram, which is like an app for photography, supposedly, and, you know, art and, and things like that. Yeah. And NFTs, like that line, it's not a big jump. It's not a big uh, bridge to cross. So this year, a lot of people, including myself, predicted that NFTs would be brought to Instagram. Over the last few months, they've been working on it and they're still working on it. Nothing is officially being rolled out yet. But in an interview published just yesterday, Zuckerberg was talking about bringing NFTs onto the platform. And for anyone who's watching, who's like, what the heck even is an NFT? Think of it as, as just like artwork, like digital artwork. I think that's the easiest way to think of it. But people are doing NFTs with songs, with things that they've created. They're doing NFTs with like concert tickets I've seen. There's, there's a million different ways you can use them, but basically, one-of-a-kind digital things, digital artwork, digital owning, tickets. Yeah, it's like owning the original, right? It's like... Exactly. It's like you exactly. You might see the content other places, but you don't own the actual original. The, the yeah. NFT needs to be owned by someone, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And people are always like, well, well, couldn't I just screenshot it? Well, couldn't you just screenshot the Mona Lisa? Can you right. just take a picture of the Mona Lisa? Like, it's the same idea. Someone has yes. to originally own it, sure. People can reproduce it legally or illegally, but still there's an owner. And that owner, anyways, that's that's where like the monetary value comes in. But all that's just say, they're coming to Instagram. As of now, it seems like they're gonna introduce NFTs on Instagram as just kind of like, hey, you can show off your NFTs here. You can kind of show your digital collection. You can be like, here's what I officially own. Here's what I have the rights to. And that's it for now. But I think we all can kind of imagine where this is headed. It's gonna become, an NFT marketplace. And that's big mm -hmm. because there's there's NFT marketplace apps and they're big and they're popular, but they don't have a billion users like Instagram does. Instagram's got over a billion users every single month. That's a lot of people who can yeah. see your next NFT launch. Maybe you're creating some sort of digital art. You're creating some unique song. Maybe there's an, I know uh, an, our music artist, a rapper recently did an album launch where he sold the first million copies via NFT. And you can imagine how much money he made if he sold a million copies via NFT. That, that was a big payout for him and that was quick. And now all of those people, they own the rights to their copy of that album the same way they would like a CD. So NFT Marketplace is coming to Instagram. And I think it's gonna be really helpful for creators and artists who I know recently and definitely over the last few years have felt kind of displaced on Instagram as Instagram moves more into a video space and moves less into photography or yeah less into photography and less about photos and visuals and more yeah. of just like hey create Video. these trendy reels yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that, we'll talk about that in a second but i i think what's really cool about this too is that nfts feel very much wild west like if you try yeah. to go i took a whole course on nfts i was like oh maybe i'll get into this and i think i got halfway through the course and i was like mm, it's a little risky it's a little too risky for me i think at this it's stage wild of my west. life it is and it's it's hard to explain to people and it's hard to even find and jump on the nfts when they get released and like you know so it's a really it's not accessible and i think yeah. what instagram could do with this is make it accessible to people in a way that that it's currently not so i think it's genius yeah you know yeah. for especially yeah, for absolutely. everyday artists like for everyday people who are working and creating stuff at home you know yeah, 100%, totally. And it's good old Facebook, AKA Meta. They're, they're, they are dominating the world when it comes to social for a reason. And so it makes sense that they're gonna move into this metaverse. That's why they changed their name to Meta. 
They're going to move into this Web 3.0 and really take it by storm by allowing NFTs and uh, as a marketplace on Instagram. So it'll be really interesting to see over the next three to five years how different Instagram looks. <laughs> That's my opinion. But um, <laughs> stop sending people trending audios. Like just make great content. And I know, so we kind of talking about original content, that was like the big thing that Adam Mosseri talked about, was it last week or two weeks ago? Yeah. Can't, can't keep up. There's so many changes. I know. Um, I know. Was saying that they're going to prioritize original audios over trending audios because as you know, oh my gosh, if you're in the social media coaching space in any way, it's like every day somebody's like trending audio. I'm like, please yeah. stop. Just make great yeah. content. The... Which I think is cool when they say that, but how can they literally, like, are, are you noticing, because I've noticed you being much more conscious of creating original content in your feed as well with audios. How do they measure that? How do they, how does that, sh how do they shift that within the algorithm? Because I know I sort of look at, I actually was thinking of this this morning in the shower, and this might be a great piece of content for you. I'm going to give away all my goods, but it's like I sort of think about trending audios on TikTok or on Instagram, sort of like a family tree, right? It's like mm. it starts here and then it sort of branches out. Like the more people recreate that ancestry of the, the genetic code of that audio, it spreads and spreads and spreads, right? That's kind of the best way to think about trending audio. And I think most people think trending audio, they think, oh, I have to recreate the exact same concept or use that audio in the exact same way it's like no it's just the audio gets sort of coded in a way and yeah. if you take that audio out of that family tree and try to make it on your own you're not going to get the kind of views that you would get if it was still connected does that seem right i mean that's at least my experience yeah 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 it's it's really interesting um this whole original audio thing and and to be totally transparent i don't know exactly how they are going to be able to tell um, I think obviously like if you use hashtag repost or you say the word repost or reshare in your caption, that'll be a dead giveaway that it's a repost or a recreation. I think that if you're using an audio that people have already used 26,000 times, Instagram can tell that. But also we know how Instagram works in its simplest sense is Instagram shows people what Instagram thinks people want to see. And so if everyone is liking um, a trending audio from Shit's Creek and you use that audio in your reel, well then it would make sense that Instagram shows people that reel because it's using the Shit's Creek audio that people are loving. So it's not exactly clear yet how exactly they're going to prioritize original content versus reposted content versus trending audios versus original audios. It's not exactly clear. Um, I think part of it honestly might just be Instagram trying to encourage more original content because there is so much uh, backlash, especially from the Gen Zers who are like, oh, Instagram is cringe. It's just, you know, whatever's on TikTok is going to be on Instagram two weeks from now. So it might be Instagram's way of being like, hey, guys, make original stuff, you know, make Instagram a more creative space. We're going to penalize you if you don't, wink, wink. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, are you noticing a difference in your... I am. I am. I, I'm still seeing great performance on a lot of my trending reels, um, but some of them I'll do and I'll be like, this is a great audio. This is trending. I think this is funny. A year ago, this would have blown up and done awesome. And now it's like 
crickets for me. Like it's by my standards way below average. And then I'll do something where I did this like a week ago. I was waiting to, to go to the gym with my fiance Tay and I like recorded like a 12 second video of myself saying, hey, you're never gonna know what's gonna do well and what isn't. So you might as well just post it anyways. Double tap if you agree. Like that was the whole video. I don't even think there was a cut in the video. And that did awesome. Like that got really great views, really great engagement. It wasn't a trending audio. It wasn't an audio that it had existed before I spoke the words. And yet it did really well. So I am starting to see better performance from those original audios. And from what we've seen from our own research, we're always researching and polling and testing our audience. We've seen that people prefer original audios 20% more than trending audios. And that's as of right now. So as people create even better original content, I'm sure that number is even going to grow. Yeah. I, I prefer people going original if they can, or at least mm -hmm. taking something that exists and making it original. I think that's, it's always very encouraging to see that. I agree. You, you're to me, I, I just always look to you sort of, I, we've met once in person. I feel like mm -hmm. I've known you for years. <laughs> right. It's, it's really right. cool. But, um, and I think a lot of people who find the internet and social media mysterious have a hard time sort of grasping that concept that like you could be close to somebody you met over Instagram. Uh, but you, to me, I think embody this idea of authenticity and, and you embody this idea of like of somebody who, who you, your spirit of generosity is what comes across to me in, in everything you do. How do you, for yourself, self-preserve that. I mean, as someone who, who I know you're very connected spiritually and I know you are very generous in your giving, that can also be very draining. That can also take a lot of energy away from you um, if you let it. So what are your boundaries around social media and protecting yourself and that part of you so that you can be there for your family and and for Tay and the dogs in a way that mm. you're not completely drained. Totally, well thank you so much for the uh, the compliment, I really do appreciate it. I would say, first of all, context is important and I am a giver, um, not just saying I'm a giver, like my Enneagram type, if anyone's familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a two, like I service and giving and, and, and honestly overextending myself, like that's my forte um, and that can lead to burnout, that can lead to overwhelm, but for me, giving and over delivering that fills me up that makes me feel like I have a purpose and I have a place and I have value um, it can be a double-edged sword for sure um, but that's part of it I think also part of it on social media people love energy and they love positivity and excitement and encouragement and that's my natural disposition so I can naturally be myself and fit into a peg that people want filled. Like I can fulfill a space very naturally that people want. So I think that I'm very blessed to kind of just like be that way. But my boundaries are very important to me and I'm glad you brought that up and, I, and I'm happy to share about that. So earlier we talked a lot about hiring other people. Someone that we hired earlier this year is we hired a full-time direct message manager for myself. So there is a, a, one, a woman, her name is Kendra. She's amazing. She's in Texas. Hey, Kendra. Actually, she's you. Um, Hi, Kendra. <laughs> and uh, she is my full-time DM manager. So she, for I think a few hours a day, two or three hours a day, goes through my DMs, responds to them so that people are still getting a human response. They're getting responded to in a way that I would respond, but 
I don't have to sit there and I like this past weekend, it was Mother's Day. So I was like, hey, take the whole weekend off. Like don't, don't work, don't work a second this weekend. And so I was doing my DMs myself this weekend and I forgot what it was like. I was like, oh my gosh, like this <laughs> is a lot. I get on average two to 3000 messages a day, according to my analytics. Um, so it's a lot. And this was a slow weekend because it was Mother's Day. So people were like hanging out with their moms. They, you know, they weren't on IG as much, but whew, it, it, it's a lot to, to manage my DMs. So I'm very thankful that I have a manager now to respond to and, and respond and, you know, take care of and engage with my community for me in the DMs. Um, another uh, boundary of mine is, like I said earlier, not going back and reading old comments, definitely not reading comments on viral posts, not checking and hyper-focusing on my... Uh, my notifications page or anything like that. Definitely not on Mila's page or anything because people get crazy in a dog's comment section. You'd be surprised how crazy some people can get commenting on a dog's Instagram. No, um, I'm not so surprised. Yeah, I definitely a, don't read those. Yeah, I'm sure, a, gay, I'm sure, a gay couple having a baby. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I'm sure you guys understand a gay couple having a baby. I'm sure y'all get some Looney Tunes. Um, okay. in the comment section. So that's one way. And then if anyone pays close enough attention to my Instagram stories, they might've picked up on this, but after like one or 2 PM every day, I don't really post any stories. I definitely don't post anything on my feed. I post all my feed posts usually by 2 PM Pacific time. Cause that's just what I found works best for me. But the afternoon and the evening, like that's total family time. That's do whatever I want. That's go surfing, go work out, go for a run, like do whatever I need to do. Just just be a human being and relax and chill and live life. So I don't do much in the afternoons. I don't post much. I don't, sometimes it'll be funny. I'll, I'll post a story like in the evening, something will come to me at like eight o'clock at night. I'll post a story and I'll be like, oh gosh, like I, I haven't posted a story in nine hours. And for someone like myself, who's, you know, omnipresent and super hyperactive on social media, that's weird to look at and say, I haven't posted a story in nine hours. But that's just part of my boundaries. I don't really work very much in the afternoons or evening. I let myself just decompress, relax, and consume content mindlessly, like scroll on TikTok and just have a few laughs rather than scrolling on TikTok trying to get inspired for my next reel. Oh, I think that's such good advice. It's like purposefully using your time, mm -hmm. purposefully mm -hmm. dedicating. Like if you're not consuming content a little bit for just the enjoyment of consuming content, you're gonna forget why you started doing this whole thing in the first place, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And social media is so fun, TikTok and Reels, like it can be really fun and rewarding and engaging. Like there, there's a reason why we're all addicted to our phones. Uh, the, dop the dopamine is real. So giving yourself, or allowing yourself to consume it in small doses is, it's fun, it's rewarding. Ah, I'm just uh, so glad you came and talked and uh, feel so lucky to to be your friend and um, you help so many people. So everyone go follow Brock Levin Johnson on Instagram. Uh, check out Insta Cloud Hub again. I'll have links in the show notes down below. Thanks for coming in chat. Is there anything else you wanted to make sure you shared or, or say to people? I think, I think I've said it all. I think the classic cliches of just getting started, start imperfectly, hit, hit a, a, a base hit, like a single or a double, rather than trying to hit a home run every time. Um, I think those classic cliches, they're cliche, yes, uh, but they exist for a reason, right? So those things, I think we've said it all today, but Brett, really, I, I 
thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate the the space you fill in this creator community, and I appreciate how much service you're doing and scheduling out and carving out some time in your day to continue to to serve and educate and connect with people despite having a newborn. Uh, that is that is impressive and very awesome and very admirable of you. So thank you for having me on today. Thank you, Brock. I'll see you soon.